Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Security Token Show. We're coming to you from our studio here in sunny Miami, Florida. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, and with me is my co-host, Herwig Konings. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, you should know that this is not an interview podcast, but instead, each week, the show starts out by covering last week's industry news, followed by a breakdown of the newest security token offerings and a review of the secondary market trading report. Yeah, glad to be here. And of course, then we finish off the show with our weekly main topic discussion, which this episode will be dual listing for security tokens. But of course, we can't start the show off without first doing our company of the week awards, where we of course award two companies for making the biggest moves in the industry last week. So Kyle, who do you got? This week, my company of the week is Neufund, a fundraising platform based in Berlin, Germany. We've covered Neufund in the past as they've worked with security token offerings such as Grape and has had other clients in the pipeline. But unfortunately, the most recent news from the firm was that they were actually shutting down, citing regulatory friction and a lack of capital to continue operations. However, they win my company of the week for staying resilient and pushing through that tough period as a startup as they just announced a 4 million euro Series B and the firm is now renewing operations. The company is led by Zoe Adamowicz, a pioneering tech entrepreneur, serial founder and CEO who was named one of Forbes' top 50 women in tech and someone I look forward to seeing continue to innovate now that her firm is flushed with cash. In the press release, Zoe notes, from the outset, we have always strictly followed financial regulations and developed our business around the understanding that digital assets should be regulated like financial instruments. With this round, we take a further step in this direction. Additional financial licenses would allow us to expand our list of services and products while adhering to our compliant and transparent approach. We are thrilled to start this new chapter and we have big plans ahead. So it seems like she's taking the proper approach and is poised to resume building in the security token industry in Germany. So bravo to Zoe and Neufund for my company of the week. I remember covering the news about them having to shut down their security token arm uh, and go to the traditional fundraising. And now it looks like they might be able to bring all that back. So that's super awesome. That's worthy for sure of the, the nomination here. So that's good stuff. And how about you, Herwig? Who we got for this week from your end? Well, Kyle, we're getting towards the final few episodes of the year here, so there can only be so many more nominations left uh, for this coveted Company of the Year Award, which we'll be giving out at the beginning of the year. Of course, you can only qualify by winning at least once this year, our Company of the Week Award, so let's hear it for a newcomer, Exordium. So Exordium is actually the publisher behind game development studio Pixelmatic's newest video game, Infinity Fleet. So now loyal listeners here on the show, you know, you'll recognize that name, Infinity Fleet. You know, not obviously because you're avid gamers, but because Kyle has covered the Infinity Fleet security token on the show in the past. Specifically, back in August, they raised over $3 million in the past from, you know, big crypto name investors like Charlie Lee, the inventor of Litecoin there, which is always a good thing, I think, to see crypto leaders adopt security tokens and promote them as legitimate opportunities. And we never got to show them 
the love back then, you know, for bringing both crypto adoption as well as video game innovation by being one of the first video game based security tokens, enabling owners to get 20% of all profits from the game. And now the transfer of Charlie Lee's investments in return for security tokens has officially been conducted on chain. So as Michael Del Castillo said it on Forbes, quote, Charlie Lee received stock in a little known video game startup called Exordium using technology built on the Bitcoin blockchain, end quote. And that's it. That's the future, folks. Security tokens disrupting financing, video game publishers redefining investors and user participation, and the crypto industry warming up to security tokens. That is good stuff. And that's why I give Exordium my company of the week, Kyle. That's fascinating. I look forward to checking out Infinite Fleet, probably try to play it on my own and and uh, see how the, the blockchain is integrated into the actual video game. It's, it's fascinating. Love that company. Well, let's move on into industry news then with that. And before I do, I do want to remind especially all our new listeners, but anyone, that you know all the articles that we cover on this show, they're sourced all from stomarket.com slash news. And they're also available for reference in the about description from wherever you're listening to or always on the Security Token Show Medium blog if you ever want to get into these articles themselves and learn more. And with that, starting off this new cycle is an update here in the United States where Congress wants to have regulatory clarity be forced out of the SEC on certain topics. So specifically, nine lawmakers in the U.S. House of Representatives want the country's financial regulators to give greater clarity regarding broker-dealer custody of digital currencies, believing that it will also lead to greater adoption of digital securities. They did this actually by writing a letter to the SEC and FINRA heads and demanded clarity and speedier applications of new brokers looking to leverage security tokens. They also referenced the July guidance by the Office of the Comptroller of Currency by Brian Brooks, in which he allowed national banks to provide digital currency custody. So let's hope this helps the SEC and FINRA speed up their inevitable announcement on this topic. And over in France, across the pond, the sentiment is also very similar. What seems like a burgeoning security token industry is apparently being slowed by conflicting regulation. So the French passed a pact law, which aimed to create a framework for digital asset services uh, providers. And you know, recently the AMF issued further guidance for firms seeking to apply for a DASP, that's a digital asset service provider license. And however, on the EU level, the European Commission has what is known as the MICA laws or the MICA law, which unfortunately still includes the same third party intermediaries like CSDs, those are central securities depositories. And so of course the premise of blockchain is to eventually no longer need these providers. So these conflicting laws make it difficult for custody providers and brokers to pioneer in the French security token industry. And of course the industry participants there are seeking clarity in order to move forward just like we want here in the United States. And in Singapore, the regulators, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, have approved yet another digital exchange for security tokens. This one by DBS Bank, which has over 300 billion in assets under management, by the way. The platform's three aspects are security token offerings, a cryptocurrency exchange, and of course, digital asset custody. Additionally, the SGX has also invested in this platform, taking a 10% stake. And Piyush Gupta, DBS Group CEO, said, quote, the exponential pace of asset digitalization provides immense opportunities to reshape markets, end quote. And of course, we completely agree. This latest approval adds to a fast-growing concentration of security token exchanges being approved by the MAS. Singapore is easily one of the hottest places for security tokens in the world right now, folks. 
And moving into company announcements, we're kicking off with Standard Chartered, which is over 700 billion in assets under management, announcing a test of a tokenized blockchain-based bond with Union Bank, which has over 150 billion in AUM, if you haven't heard of them. Now, the proof of concept tokenized a $190 million bond, and they were used as a back-end solution, meaning the retail participants did not receive tokens themselves. This process, though, was completely paperless, including account verification, ensuring that the investment was appropriate for the client and of course the customer application also being completely digital and from the horse's mouth Aaron Guax, Standard Charter's head of capital markets in the region, said, quote, the bond infrastructure around the world has been designed primarily for institutional investors and involves a number of intermediaries to buy and subsequently trade bonds, making it less accessible to retail investors. So to an average investor, providing direct access to issuers is critical in allowing them to reap the full benefits of their investment. End quote. Now that is really great stuff to hear from a half trillion dollar bank, goosebumps style. Mm. Next up, we have a pretty big announcement from Bitbond, another leading German issuance platform. And this one with a partnership with Bankhaus Vanderheit, which is one of Germany's oldest banks, folks, operating since 1754. So to give you perspective, that's older than the United States itself. So the pair have teamed up to issue a euro-based stablecoin on the Stellar network. So now available, the EURB, the ERB stablecoin, is the first stablecoin issued directly by a banking institution on Stellar. As the press release says, ERB can be leveraged by Bank Vanderhoit's customers as well as third-party developers of financial applications to settle digital asset transfers on-chain. With the asset now live on Stellar, Bitbind will integrate it into their platform it built for BVDH to use the stablecoin for securitization, which includes mechanisms for burning and minting tokens. So for the Stellar ecosystem, this adds a new on-off ramp for euros on the network, and any user or business looking to connect the euro through Stellar Rails can now do so. And that's a powerful statement. The future of finance is definitely here thanks to initiatives like this. So I'll be honest, Kyle, this was my runner-up for Company of the Week. Maybe next time, but it should be worth noting that this is a great achievement and a boon for the digital European economy. And next up, the National Exchange of Switzerland, the SIX, has teamed up with Japanese-based SBI to launch a Singapore exchange for digital assets. So slow down. Yep, that's right. Switzerland, Japan, and Singapore. What's happening here is capital markets are being connected, and now through the blockchain, and specifically in this case, European and Swiss markets connecting with Japanese and Southeast Asian capital markets using Singapore as the bridge. And as we've noted, this is a great place to do it if you're focusing on the blockchain, which they are. The exchange will be focused on digital assets and digital securities, and the joint venture partners say they both have a complementary history of innovating in capital markets and digital assets. They expect to launch sometime in 2022. And over in the United States, leading security token marketplace T0 has announced DA Davidson, an investment firm, is integrated and capable of trading on behalf of its customers on the T0 ATS. So in the press release, Monte Gize, the president of equity capital markets of DA Davidson, said, quote, we are committed to providing liquidity and best execution services to a wide range of institutional and corporate investors, including many of the largest mutual fund and money managers in the world. We are excited to now provide them with access to Overstock's innovative digital preferred shares via the T0 ATS. 
So there you have it, folks, another financial firm leveraging T0. And in this case, it looks like primarily to reach the A1 overstock dividend for its customers. Partnering with the financial industry is always key to marketplace adoption. And it looks like T0 is making that happen one firm at a time. So great job, T0. And leading tokenization platform Securitize has announced that they are the first issuance platform to support the Avalanche blockchain by Ava Labs. So the biggest feature being touted in the Avalanche blockchain is its transaction costs. They're actually just four cents per transaction compared to Ethereum's, of course, changing prices, which have reached up to $200 per transaction in clogged network highs. So they mentioned a potential upcoming mention of the first security token on the platform, but no timing was revealed in the announcement. And Securitize Japan also announced last week that it has partnered with NTT Data Corporation to develop security token solutions for the Japanese market. So Eiji Kobayashi, country head of Securitize Japan, said, quote, collaboration with NTT Data, one of the Japan's leading IT companies, is a significant step in further strengthening and promoting our localization efforts to date. We are pleased to help more customers develop their businesses and contribute to the development of the Japanese capital market and international competitiveness through the provisions of a superior SEO platforms. So sounds like it is a great partnership leading to a win-win for both companies in their digitization mission of Japanese capital markets. And finally, I only have one opinion article to share with you all this week, but it's a bit of a doozy. So we have hinted on this in the past on the show, right? Cover the topic in more details in episode 8 and 62 regarding what a security is defined as and in the US, you know, using the Howey test. So you can watch those main topic segment clips on YouTube exclusively if you're curious, by the way. But I'm bringing this up because someone, you know, a voice in the past, their opinion that, you know, given Ethereum's 2.0 upgrade, the result may be ETH being labeled a security. The most recent to do this was Jordan Atkins on CoinGeek. So let me explain here. Ethereum's blockchain right now is being powered by proof of work, which requires large amounts of electricity, you know, power to support and operate. The Ethereum developer community has been working hard at preparing the network for an upgrade to Ethereum 2.0, which will, will change this consensus mechanism, what it's called, from proof of work to proof of stake, meaning it comes up just, just how much you own and contribute or stake to the network. As Jordan Atkins says, you know, for those of you who followed our Howey test episode specifically, you'll see that with the proof of stake, the users now hoping to become validators must stake Ethereum in order to do so, meaning there's a clear investment of money. There's also a common enterprise, which Jordan says almost always is satisfied when applying Howey to digital assets. And finally, there's a reasonable expectation of profits derived from the efforts of others, which actually can be split up into two elements. Firstly, that there must be a reasonable expectation of profits. And secondly, that the expectation of profits must derive from the efforts of others. The first is obvious, right? Given that staking has an incentive to profit from your commitment to it. The second is trickier. When there are efforts derived solely from others, you know, this is where it can come up in the question and in gray area, and it's really up to the law regulators to interpret. So an inevitable 2.0 upgrade is necessary to scale the network, but it could come at a risk of making ETH a security or at least a new debate for it, given that in the past, the SEC has already mentioned that ETH looks more like a commodity given that it has reached sufficient decentralization. So this will be one to watch and play out here. And Jordan Atkins does an excellent summary of all of this in his article if you have some time to check it out further. And that's all the latest industry news for you wonderful listeners. So Kyle, what industry webinars do we have coming up? 
Fascinating stuff there. Great article from Jordan and uh, highly recommend you checking that one out. But moving into the industry events, the first event that I have for you is a recap of an interview that TheAsset.com did with Samar Sen, who is the global head of digital products and client connectivity and security services at Deutsche Bank, who breaks down digital securities from an institutional perspective regarding his clients and what he's seen inside of the bank's operations. It is a pretty short clip, but I'd recommend you checking it out to see his tone and specifically note the kind of investors and investor types that a firm like Deutsche Bank services, especially on this front. Check that out, link in the description. And the only other live event that we have this week is from Curzio Research, the issuer behind the CEO token that was recently listed on Merge. They are actually hosting a security token summit this year on December 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. They're going to have speakers and some other great content, so you can reserve your spot in the link in the description to follow along and to participate. And that's it for the events and webinars we had this week. So remember, you can submit any industry news or events that you have on stlmarket.com slash news so that we can check it out and maybe cover it on the show. Moving into some security token offering updates. The first one here is an update from Blockchain Capital's Kinjal Shah, who is an investor at Blockchain Capital. So she posted a year-in-review investment report on the blockchain industry. And it's very detailed. It covers blockchain, DeFi, and crypto. But unfortunately, they don't cover security tokens at all, which is kind of a head-scratcher considering they have a tokenized LP fund product, the BCAP token, that is live and trading on Open Finance Network. And the firm did not acknowledge its performance at all. While the report is thoughtful and comprehensive, it is a little bit frustrating to see no love given to the security token sector. Even if they had just given a breakdown and some information about their own token, I might have been happy, but no acknowledgement at all is kind of a little bit frustrating. And unfortunately, it's a signal to investors that they really don't care that much about this asset, which isn't the best look for their investment product. Moving into some new security token offerings and, and maybe to bring the tone a little bit more positive, the first STO that I found this week is from Utopia Genesis Foundation, who announced that they are going to be working with financing firm and issuance platform Stalker to build a platform for tokenized music rights and intellectual property. Through the Utopia Open Platform's Genesis application, artists and owners of the music will be able to tokenize assets and create equity or debt instruments for crowdfunding the launch of albums, collectibles, merchandise, and more. There wasn't any information about the terms of the deal, but this is a really awesome application of security token that allows fans from all around the world to directly support their favorite artists and invest in their future success. We've certainly seen examples that, that happen in the common markets like, like um, Patreon and others that allow you to just kind of fund the artists that you support. This is a way that you could actually invest in them and be able to see the upside in the future. And we also have two more realty properties to cover as well, Gable Street and Ardmore Street. Both are currently live. They are single-family properties paying around 11% in rental income each year, and they're both right around the 57K in market cap. And so those both got posted today, and I do have some bad news on that front because they're already sold out. They have begun their token lockups, and we will see them trading in 6 to 12 months. And the last news on the tokenized offering front is from Bittrex, who has unveiled a new service where they are listing tokenized derivatives of U.S. stocks like Amazon, Tesla, Google, and more on their platform. 
The exchange will be working with digitalassets.ag for the issuance to enable access to the U.S. stock market for countries who previously had not had access to these assets. And I'm going to be honest here, folks. I don't really know the legality of this, and I would be very careful before exploring this as an investment opportunity. I've read of other firms that have gotten into trouble doing similar things, but despite these concerns, I do think this solution only continues to demonstrate the need for a global financial system in which anyone around the world can invest in the companies that they interact with on a daily basis. And so this is just trying to promote global inclusion. We'll see if this is successful and how long it lasts. Moving into our market segment, I do want to give a quick shout out to Omar Faridi. You guys recognize this name. This guy writes fantastic articles for Crowdfund Insider, and he yet again covered our November market report. Unfortunately, the statistics weren't that great this month, and we are still kind of in that same boat now, but I really do appreciate him for breaking it down and covering our findings to their network. The other market update we had was a market report that Security Token Market published today. And so I hinted at this last week, but we've officially unveiled our second monthly market report. And this one is specifically focused on real estate. We cover the St. Regis Aspen Resort on T0, the Ustin property on Merge, and the whole host of realty properties that are now trading on Uniswap. And so I think it's well worth a read if you're interested in real estate, and you might learn more about the industry and how it's performed on the secondary market. As always, before we move into how the market has been over this past week, it is important to remind you that all of our pricing data is sourced from stomarket.com. And so when you go on there, you're going to see the market cap was down again. It's about $350 million, down about 8% from last week, which there's not a whole lot of new data to discuss. You're going to hear a lot of the same things coming here. Overstock and T0's prices both continued to crash, down 13% and 8% respectively. Unfortunately, the overstock security, the real world common shares were up over the past week. So um, not a great look for the token that has kind of decoupled slightly from the common stock. And T0 again continues to, to fall down. Aspen, however, was up 2%, which is nice, but it really doesn't get a ton of volume. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say. And the rest of the real estate, unfortunately, were not up either. They, they were down on average 1% to 2% per property. Mount Pelerin was up strong this week. It was the one light of the end of the tunnel, but with such small volumes for that one as well, it is still very much subjected to significant volatility each week. And so you got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. So to be quite frank with everyone and to cut this one short, it's a week to forget for the secondary markets, but onwards and upwards from here. I mean, you know, it's another challenging week, but, uh, you know, sometimes price corrections are very healthy and normal for markets. Maybe that's where we've been. But, uh, you know, I think it's time for us to jump into our main topic for the week, Kyle. Yeah. So our main topic today is dual listing security tokens. And so listing security tokens on multiple marketplaces and exchanges is one of those beautiful efficiencies and innovations that will have disruptive effects on capital markets, I think. I definitely agree. I mean, I'm glad we get to cover this topic in detail. It's really important to recognize that some of these 2.0 changes that are happening, you know, thanks to security tokens, and one of them is definitely dual listing. So before we dive right in, Kyle, I think it's important that we set the scene for our listeners a bit. For, for one, you know, dual listed securities is definitely a thing in today's capital markets already, and they function in, you know, a 1.0 infrastructure, if you will. So maybe how does that all look today, Kyle, and how can you describe that to our listeners? That's a great question. And yeah, dual listing securities is certainly far from new. 
Also, sometimes it, it can be called cross-listing, and, and the main advantage of dual-listing or cross-listing securities today is for issuers to access additional capital and increase the liquidity of the underlying securities. For example, a popular way for non-US companies to dual-list in the US is by using ADRs, or American Depository Receipts. This process is much more tedious and expansive in an analog and untrusted environment as you essentially need to complete all the listing and compliance requirements for two separate times, one for, for where you're listing originally and then the second time to try to get onto that second market. So therefore, when it does come to dual listing, it's typically reserved for specific types of companies with a certain size that can handle that additional expense and the process can typically require additional resources to support that new market. So on the other hand, it is one of the only ways to have a publicly traded company or to trade on a public exchange longer than that nine to 5 p.m. of their own country. All right, all, all good points. You know, So partnerships between marketplaces or issuers sometimes take on the burden of cross-listing their securities in order to create further access to investors and potential buyers or, or seller demand, right? So this is just like what the SIX and SBI are doing with their Singaporean exchange joint venture. You know, the difference is, is they're building on a 2.0 environment, you know, using blockchain or distributed ledger technology. Still, we're talking about needing to leverage the infrastructure developed by these two financial institutions specifically. So with security tokens, as we have covered in the past, it becomes far easier to transfer ownership while also remaining compliant, which also means listing on other marketplaces should be far easier and therefore dual listing could actually look a lot more like multi-listing because you may eventually see security tokens trade on dozens of different marketplaces and exchanges and even blockchains for that matter. Actually, it's all possible. All right, so to get back on track, we've got 1.0 infrastructure that enables dual listings, but it's costly, complex, and limited due to the fragmented nature of the industry. Exactly. So now enter security tokens where compliance can be enforced by smart contracts, atomic swaps and wallets provide instant digital ownership transfer and settlement, and securities can interact with programmable interfaces, mm -hmm. right? Meaning marketplaces, exchanges, and even DeFi protocols and other applications. So in principle, a lot of the heavyweight backend infrastructure needed to support dual listings for marketplaces and issuers alike is now dramatically reduced thanks to technology. Still, that means the incumbents are actually you know still busy employing that new infrastructure upgrade which is of, of course going to take time which means we need to focus on the new players to prove the innovation the new marketplaces and exchanges that will support dual listed security tokens and so far a few security tokens from securitize are listed on both ofn and shares posts and you know we had heard an announcement that support for fusong will be in place soon and the St. Regis has long been touted now to also be listed on the elevated returns exchange in Southeast Asia beyond T0. Soon, you know, investors may be able to easily transfer tokens between these marketplaces through digital interfaces, right? So, and that has a lot of ramifications on its own. But to me, it also means that issuers are going to be restricted to one or two liquidity, not, not just going to be restricted to one or two liquidity providers. Issuers can get fair and competitive terms from marketplaces and exchanges no longer being bullied into exclusively listing mm. with that marketplace. It's a big deal. And it's right. an exciting change of pace for the market, I think, and will force and foster more adoption in this space as the competition is actually forced 
to compete with others now. That's a really good angle. I mean, I think from an investor perspective, it also means arbitrage opportunities will come about more, which is a good thing as an active and competitive market will make these short-lived opportunities, right? As arbitrage happens, people want to jump in on it and capitalize. So it's also something that we've seen in the crypto markets where Bitcoin and other assets are traded across hundreds of marketplaces and a huge benefit for dual listing for the issuer, exchange, and investor is the opportunity for pooled liquidity. Similar to the idea of working with arbitrage, we see many exchanges actually filling orders for their bidders by scraping some of the asset off of many different exchanges, essentially providing the lowest possible price per share based off of different liquidity pools. This is incredibly effective in blockchain-based assets and settlement systems as the compliance between exchanges remains constant based on the specific assets requirements. And blockchain settlement allows for smart contracts, resolutions that are quicker and more cost effective than the manual solutions on traditional markets. So, I mean, in this way, opening up more investors to use their own native exchanges while still being able to capitalize on the greater liquidity of the asset anywhere around the world is a complete game changer and something that will improve access and liquidity for all trading security tokens, regardless of whether issued or whether trading. And that's why dual listings for security tokens, that's why they're such a big deal. They're truly leveraging the next generation of finance to provide liquidity through hundreds of different types of liquidity pools, centralized and in some cases, autonomous and decentralized. So for investors, it means more options for selling and buying. For issuers, it means better liquidity. And for marketplaces, it means greater volume. So everybody wins from security tokens in this scenario, except for you know the monopoly-like investment syndicates that used to control small to mid-cap markets. Markets. Now they will be forced to compete with the rest of the market. And this is exciting stuff for finance and for the investment firms themselves too, given that it also creates new opportunities. Yeah. And to take it even a step further, we really can expand this common terminology from dual listing to the idea of multi-listing because with a security token, there really isn't any limits for how many exchanges an asset could trade on. So with the advent of blockchain assets like security tokens, a key innovation is this idea of self-custody where an investor themselves could manage their ownership of an asset. So due to that novel concept, decentralized exchanges like Uniswap have popped up that allow for anyone to create a market for their token. And so as long as you have an Ethereum-based token, you have the technological capacity to list it on Uniswap and therefore create a new market for your asset, which dramatically removes the power and leverage that traditional exchanges have historically held over asset issuers who must rely on the exchanges to actually power the liquidity for their assets, right? So in this way, a security token could be listed on hundreds of exchanges in which each offer an investor a new different experience in trading. I mean, that could range from new liquidity options and pools like we've covered in episode 72, or it could be other features such as a better user experience or integrations with other financial services providers that offer new staking methods and rewards, or even a platform offering post-issuance services that can be leveraged and executed directly on the exchange as opposed to through a service provider like what we've seen in some cases today. So with security tokens and their programmable nature of compliance and regulatory requirements, all of this is possible with much less friction than what we see in any of the solutions in the market today. Yep, completely. And I think that sums it up for this week's topic on dual listing, Kyle. So thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Security Token Show. And tune in next week for episode 74. And don't forget to join our community at stomarket.com, where you can find the latest security token trading information, news, and more. You can even submit news and events and security tokens so that the rest of the community can check them out and comment or even ask questions. So thanks again for all your support, and we'll talk to you next week.